0: In the morning, when you need the news that matters most, they can kiss my f-ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother f-ing editorials on the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f-ing ass. With Granny and Bischoff. Rip them mother, f-ers. rip them touching suckers like the f-ing players.
1: Man, I can't believe Jared got Pete divorced so quickly to be in the uh, entered, entrance to the uh, front page.
2: Was that the uh, first intermission speech when he decided to go to Logan yes, Thompson?
1: Exactly. They said, what do the guys in the press box think?
2: Rip! <laughs> All right. The Bulls beat the Bucks 114-109 to tie that series at one game apiece. DeMar DeRozan had 41 points, but Chris Middleton left in the second half With left knee soreness, it's now been revealed that he has a problem with his MRI, or MCL. Excuse me, he's going to have an MRI to figure out exactly what it is. But an MCL sprain, um, this could potentially knock him out for quite a while.
1: I don't think, I I think it's like, and we're going to talk about Devin Booker I know also with the Suns. I still think Milwaukee has enough. He was out, I don't know if DeRozan can go for 41 again, and they still only lost by 5. So I would still consider Milwaukee the favorite to win the series.
2: Giannis uh, was very Went good nuts. last night, but it, but it wasn't uh, quite enough because the Bulls uh, did a very good job. But they had, they had a big lead in that game, tried to blow it, and still held on in the end to beat uh. Milwaukee. The the f- interesting part is uh, ESPN had this graphic up earlier this morning that the Bucks over the last two seasons, when they have had Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday all healthy, They've won like 73% of their games. When they've had two of those guys in the lineup, their winning percentage jumps down or falls down to like 52%. So they go from being, you know, top of the NBA, genuine title contenders, maybe the favorite if all three are healthy, to being a, yeah, they can squeak by these series if two of them are healthy, but they might get eliminated. So how long is he out is going to be fascinating because. Even if they get past Chicago, if he's got to miss time in the second round against most likely Boston, that that could be then, enough to where they're going. Then
1: they're home. in trouble. Yeah, if he's out.
2: So that's I, I'm curious to see. Do we get a timetable? Does he come back too early? Like what happens with Chris Middleton because they probably need him to get past the Boston Celtics in round two just to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. And if he's got to miss. That entire series, two, three games of that series, that could be enough to where they're going home. And again, I said it yesterday. Can we turn off injuries? How, when did the NBA, like we've done this for a couple of years now, where it's just simply who's the last healthy team remaining? That's who's going to win the title. That's, this keeps happening. Can we just have guys not get hurt in the NBA like at an unbelievable pace?
3: Does Brooke Lopez always look like he's confused as to what's going on in the game? <laughs> Is he the one that hates mascots, or is that Robin? I I mean, I honestly had to Google which one played for the Bucks, and that's my team. Man, man. So that's a problem. But also, every time he was up, like, they would cut to, like, you know, the close-ups after a play. He always was looked like, I don't know what just happened. And it's like, Giannis scored, dude. Like, pay attention. He's pretty good. What, he 25 last night? No idea. Man, you know, that's a great question. Jay Wright is
2: retiring. 21 years at Villanova, and he is stepping down, which means in about the last, I think it's 13 months, Jay Wright, Roy Williams, and Mike Krzyzewski have all retired from college basketball. Uh, Are these guys retiring because there is NIL and transfer portal that makes their jobs more difficult?
1: They might just be retiring because they've made a ton of money and want to do other things. I mean, Jay Wright, and I'm reading from Ross Senior, two national titles, three Final Fours, 22 and 22-6 in the NSA Tournament. That's actually amazing. And he won 83, 84% of his games. I don't know if Jay Wright makes the decision to retire on NIL, and, and we know how old Krzyzewski is, and Roy Williams just wanted to golf. So... I don't know if that's specific to them. I, I'm sure that you know some of them don't like it because they did it a certain way the entire time, and now they have to deal with, hey, uh, recruit A will come here if you can get him 50000 because this school is saying he's getting them 40000 and all that. That's happening around college basketball for sure, um, with especially with the big-time players. Uh, but he, he just might want to do other things. I don't know him well enough, but he's a, he- a heck of a coach. I mean, he, he did an incredible job at Villanova.
2: I'm out. Nevada and this their athletic good. director Doug Knuth parted ways. Uh it was described as a mutual decision to part ways. He'd been the athletic director at Nevada since 2013. Do you believe this was mutual? No,
1: I never believed mutual. <laughs> I never believed mutual. Is he going to another job? Is this is this uh is this uh Alfred hiring? Um what could this be? I I just never believe mutual unless he's got another job.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't either. Um, he he hired Eric Musselman, uh, which is obviously probably the best thing to happen to Nevada athletics in the last decade, uh, if not longer than that. Um, but since then he hired Jay Norvell, who was fine, but then lost him to Colorado State. He hired Steve Alford, and those three years under Steve Alford have not been very good. I. I don't know. It feels very much like a, hey, we'd like to move on, but you did enough that we don't just want to come out and straight up fire right, you. Right. So
1: Let's say you mutually agreed.
2: Let's agree to a buyout here and, and phrase this properly so that we can be nice to you. But it definitely feels a little bit like Nevada was ready to go in a different direction, not so much he wanted to go in a different direction. Now,
1: if he left because he got the UNLV job back in the day when he really, really wanted it, then I would have understood But instead, that didn't happen for him, and now I don't believe it was mutual.
0: That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit.
2: (laughs) Doug Brumfield is returning to UNLV. The UNLV quarterback entered the transfer portal on April 12th. Yesterday on April 20th, he withdrew from the transfer portal. Do you think he got no offers? I was
1: going to say, I was going to ask you, it's eight or nine days was that even enough to realize who he could have gone to? I also, I said when it happened that he might have to, or, you know, whether he wanted to or not go to the FCS level and be really good. Maybe he didn't want that because there's, there's no chance that he couldn't have gone to an FCS team. Right. I I mean, zero chance. A lot of FCS teams would have taken him. So maybe he got feedback or no calls in nine days and realized I better go back to have something to do. Um, I don't know. Don't know the kid, but it was interesting. That's, they go into the portal. I mean, some kids do go back after being in the portal, um, but they usually don't go back within eight days.
2: Yeah, I I'm curious. Uh, granted, we'll probably never know. Did I I have to? Doug Brumfield was good enough that I have to imagine other schools were like, well, well, yeah, we'll yeah. we'll take you, but you're not gonna be guaranteed any sort of playing time. Like you're gonna have to earn your spot, or even we've got a starter, you're gonna be the backup. So I I do that sounds like the most likely scenario that he went into the portal, was hoping that there would be a FBS team, a division one team that would say, yes, we want to make you the starter. And he just didn't get that. And so now he said, well, my best chance to start might be going back to UNLV and beating out Harrison Bailey. So I, it's fascinating. And by the way, I love this part of the transfer portal where you can go back to your school. I find that fascinating part of it where you can say, yep, I'm going to go see if anybody else wants me. Nope. Okay. Going back to UNLV and going to go right back where I started. Cheating. What do you think? Devin Booker will miss games three and four at least. He has a hamstring injury that he suffered in game two. New Orleans Pelicans won game two to even that series up with Phoenix. Uh, So he's going to miss at least two and potentially more. Do the Pelicans get one of these games back in New Orleans to get this to game six in a 2-2 series? They
1: might get one, but like I said, I told you yesterday, I think even without him, that Phoenix has enough. I mean, we talked about yesterday, you know, will they shoot, can they ever shoot three-pointers that well again to, to beat Phoenix? Can Brandon Ingram play that well again? Now he's going to play well because he's a great player. But the way they shot threes, I don't know if they can do that again. So I still think Phoenix wins the series, but it becomes a lot tougher. I mean, you lost your best player.
2: Are you who do, who are you more worried about losing in the first round? The Bucks, if Chris Middleton misses the rest of the series, or the Suns, if Devin Booker oh. misses the rest of the series?
1: It's a tough question because the Bucks have beaten the uh, Bulls like nineteen out of twenty-one times. Um, I I, I, a Phoenix, maybe. I mean, I, I think the Bucks are going to win that series. I just don't believe in the Bulls. I don't. I don't think DeRozan's going for forty-one again. I don't believe in the Bulls. <laughs> and i think phoenix will win the series but if you tell me that i have to pick one i would say phoenix
2: i don't know the answer to the question i think i might lean the bucks are more likely to lose without middleton just because they're not as good when they don't have their big 3 we've got pretty good evidence of that and i think the bulls are better than the the pelicans like the bulls granted they fell off but the bulls at one point like what in january they were top 2 in the east at one point so I, I think the Bulls are better and they would have a better shot to actually pull the upset in the series. But I think we're both on the same page that I don't. neither one of them is actually losing because of these injuries.
0: Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question.
2: Ben Simmons returning for game four is, quote, realistic. Adrian Woznirowski tweeted, based on Ben Simmons' progress in practices this week and the anticipation of him further accelerating in the coming days... Game four versus Boston on Monday is looming as a realistic target for his Brooklyn debut.
1: Oh man! And Luke is supposed to be back for Game three, so our our uh, <laughs> our our questionable uh, bet there is is coming into focus.
2: I need the Nets to win a game; <laughs> otherwise, Ben Simmons is coming back to get swept. <laughs>
3: What uh what did we did we put any terms on this bet? Are you guys No, like, I don't even know if it's no. a bet. A Chick-fil-A sandwich I don't even know if it's a bet. No,
2: it's not even a bet. We just who plays more games, Luca or Ben Simmons? And I got Ben Simmons, he's got Luca. Um I Ben Simmons will help the Brooklyn Nets, but Ben Simmons doesn't matter if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving no, shoot exactly. one of seventeen. No. Like
1: his defense isn't that good. <laughs>
2: there's there's nothing that's really gonna make up for that. So I think he helps the Brooklyn Nets in the postseason if they get him back, but they're advancing or they're winning games or they're winning a title, whatever it is for the for the Brooklyn Nets based on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irvings shot making. that's that's what's gonna cause this team to win or lose is those two making shots. Nothing else. he'll he'll help them defensively, whatever. but if those two aren't making shots at a really high level, they're going home in in four, maybe five games to the Boston Celtics.
3: If they get swept out, the Nets get swept out. Basically, that means the Clippers didn't make it with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. The Lakers didn't make it with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And the Nets got swept out with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Kevin Durant. Durant. I think we need to rethink this big two situation. (laughs) I don't seem to think it's working
1: happy to move on to the, to the next question here
2: Aaron The United States will play Morocco in Cincinnati a World Cup friendly are you excited we're, we're going to get a whole summer of World Cup friendlies to get us ready games that don't matter but we're going to absolutely make them matter
1: Very very excited very excited oh, about this on. Very Come excited on come on World Cup friendlies
2: Morocco's going Can to We the have World a pitch Cup? count It's important a pitch count what Yeah
1: some kind That's of have a count where if they don't they don't score they don't they don't make progress past midfield that they have to give the ball up so yeah. that way we can we can get more counterattacks and end these games yeah like sounds thirty
3: like ooh, thirty minute thirty minute clock
1: yeah, Just yeah play, play as fast as you can for thirty yeah. minutes
3: yeah plays everybody's everybody's sprinting <laughs> that sounds like a terrible idea too you guys are a nightmare.
2: Don't try to fix soccer. It's a great, it's a beautiful game and you guys are trying to fix it with your bastardizations of it. I'm excited for games that don't matter that we can completely overreact to. It's going to be tremendous. It's going to be awesome. Losing to Morocco will mean absolutely nothing. But like if they lose, we'll be like, oh my God, they're going out in the group states. They're not winning a single game at the World Cup. It's going to be phenomenal. That's like the greatest thing we can do is games with no stakes, but take away every possible meaning from it that we can. It'll be fun. Coming up next... We Where's Debo Samuel gonna play next year?
1: Now that I'm not on the team, you know, you can just sit back, man, and, and call it out it is be honest with yourself, and you still have these conversations with the guys, bro, mm-hmm. of like trying to figure out what the hell went went wrong, goes wrong, and you don't even know. But I just feel like uh culture establishes that. Like when you see like culture teams in the NFL, like Baltimore Ravens, the New Orleans Saints, the San Francisco 49ers, those teams that no matter no matter how talented they look, bro. You know what I'm saying? From top to bottom. They just somehow find a way to win damn games. You can go like, even like Mike Tomlin with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Some teams have that culture and some teams don't. And sometimes it starts from the top the top from the bottom. You know, it, it, it takes its place. But I feel like that's kind of what it was for us.
0: We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Jared, who is that? Chase Edmonds.
2: Is culture Ed? Where does culture rank on your uh, doesn't exist like momentum scale?
1: Uh, I think momentum doesn't exist. Um, I think culture might be near it. I don't. I wouldn't say it's completely as much as I don't have a strong opinion on culture as I do momentum. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, it, culture might have something to do with you know there not being enough there not being drama within locker rooms that you don't need like useless drama. That might have something to do with it, um, but look—if you're good enough and your coaching is good enough, your players are good enough, I think you have a chance to win. I think I think there's been a lot of teams that's won in the past that, if you look at their culture and chemistry, weren't really great, but they just had the best players.
2: Culture, culture certainly exists. It's it's you know what you live every day when you're in an organization, but culture doesn't lead to wins. No. I mean, Chase Edmonds mentioned the Saints in there. The Saints, as soon as they lost Drew Brees, the, guess what they stopped doing. Winning. Not, their culture didn't carry them to the postseason last year. No, they lost good players, so they don't win anymore. Like Culture doesn't lead to win. So having good players, being but good at the sport leads to winning, not culture. It
3: might prevent losses.
2: I don't think it does that either. I don't, I don't know.
3: So. The Washington football team would like a word. Well, they have bad culture, but
2: they also just have bad decision makers. Like They, they don't have good players because the people that are in charge don't ever find the good players. So I yeah. guess if you, if you define culture as bad
3: at your job, then sure. In her defense, she didn't know she'd be running a football team.
2: <laughs>
3: guess what? She's still not. Um, now, yesterday's
2: news from the NFL to continue what's been one of the most entertaining off-seasons in probably league history. Debo Samuel asked the 49ers to trade him, according to Jeff Darlington. Debo Samuel did not give a reasoning behind his trade request, but he did ask the 49ers to trade him. So let's speculate. I'll
1: give you the reason.
2: Is this just money?
1: It's just the wallet. He's looking around like many other, like many other people. He's looking around, looking at all these players making this much money. And you spelled out yesterday about these rookie contracts and how long they should last and all that. And I think these guys are now getting more and more antsy about how much people are making and they want more money.
2: I mean, so are, he, are the 49ers yeah. not willing? Like, cause the idea that he wants more money is, is yeah. I, again, that's why you hold out. But like, are we, it's April 21st and his third, after his third season, they've already the 49ers, they already decided they're not paying this guy. And he realizes that.
1: Well, I mean, it's been 24 hours. So, you know, who knows now that he's asked for this trade, maybe it speeds them up. Um, I would think they're going to, uh, given how important they believe he is to the team, I would think they're going to. Try to, uh, you know, either keep him or pay him. But it might be more than this because maybe if he asked to be traded, there's more to it instead of just holding out for the money. Like he could have just said, hey, yeah. look at all these contracts like the three wide receivers are doing and we're not going to show up. So there could be more to it because usually if you just want the money, you just hold out.
2: Yeah. Which I, and that's why I think there's got to be at least something else here. That, yes, obviously you wants to get paid. That's why he's not showing up to didn't show up to offseason stuff, but there's got to be something else because you wouldn't you wouldn't hold out and demand a trade unless you knew the team wasn't going to pay you. But I can't I just can't imagine the 49ers being like we are absolutely not paying Debo Samuel when he's the most important player on that offense last year. Like he was more important than Jimmy Garoppolo to their offensive success last year. And I can't imagine they just say, nope, no chance for paying this guy.
1: I think there'd be teams, I don't know about lining up, but they'd make offers right now.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I would. I, think, I mean, Absolutely. but I'm,
1: I'd love to know what the offer would be.
2: So uh, ESPN did a story on this. No, excuse me, Pro Football Focus did a story on this, trying to gauge what, what the worth? market would be. And they used Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill as sort of proxies, as like, hey, those guys went for these picks. And they basically said Debo Samuel is worth those same picks, right? First and a, a first second? First and a second. Right. Do you think Debo Samuel's worth the same as what Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill went for?
1: Smaller sample size, right?
2: Yes. Only three years in the league yeah. as those two have, have much longer uh, run. Whether he's worth uh, it or
1: not, I think they would get it for him.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think I could almost make an argument that he might be worth more because he's not as old. Like, we don't expect Devontae Adams to fall off a cliff here, but Devontae Adams is going to have a regression at some at point, At some point, right? yeah. Same with Tyreek Hill. You guys that get into their 30s, right? That's when wide receiver production starts to fall off. So Debo Samuel is not as old as these guys. So there's a legit argument for you maybe should get more because you're going to get a handful of more seasons out of Debo Samuel than you would out of Devontae Adams or Tyree kill. So there's an argument for more. And also potentially Debo Samuel probably doesn't get as much money as Devante Adams and Tyree kill got. So conceivably you could have to trade more for him because the contract you're signing him to is less than what Adams and right, Tyree kill. Right.
1: Two ones.
2: I don't know that they Ooh. would get two ones, but potentially, I mean, I mean maybe I mean, you look at like, so some of the teams that have been mentioned, like the Packers and the chiefs, both those teams have late first round. picks, And so that's possible. Uh they've also I think the Packers have three second round picks. Maybe it's only two, but I think like if if the Packers were to do this, a first and a second is absolutely I think the the sort of general starting point. And if the if the 49ers get more than that, good for them. If they get less than that, good for the Packers, but I think a first and a second from like Green Bay is certainly enough to where they could get Debo Samuel, or at least be in the conversation to get Debo Samuel. The teams that I've seen mentioned the most, Packers, Chiefs, because they traded away their good receivers, and the Jets, because the Jets were trying to get Tyree Kill, so conceivably, they're going to want any good wide receiver that comes available. Where do you think he goes?
1: I think the Raiders should just be the Rams and trade all their ones. (laughs) Like, every time a good player like this becomes available, just say, you know what? We don't need any first-round picks. We don't need any second-round picks. We'll take Debo Samuel.
2: What, what, okay, hold on. You mentioned the Rams, so we got to, we got to talk about the Rams. Do they have a chance to do this? They have, well, they've got the
1: 2042 first round pick that they could give up and give up two first round picks, but I mean, they don't, the draft capital they don't have. I mean, compensatory picks aren't going to do it for this guy. So they probably don't, but it's worked out for them. I mean, they could do nothing in the next 10 years and they won the Super Bowl. Right, I mean, they they did what everyone wants to do. They they have a they have a long leash now. No matter what they do, they still win the Super Bowl. So I don't know if more people are going to take this route. It's it's a scary one to take. Like it's these draft picks are so precious to people. Like you could say, hey, we're going to be like the Rams, but then they're going to be staring you in the face and say, we want two number ones. You're like, oh, that's so much. You know, that's so much. And I don't know if a lot of teams would be willing to do that. The Rams would. They just don't have any to give.
2: I am curious to see if any other team can use Debo the way the 49ers did so effectively. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like they they made him special. They gave him carries out of the backfield and all that. I wonder if other teams are able to do a similar thing, wherever he ends up going, if he's able to be as effective with a new scheme, new coach, whatever it is. Coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show.
0: Well, you're all right? You're limping around. Oh, I
2: yeah. something. You not You didn't. You weren't
0: with Millard on a tandem bike or somewhere.
2: <laughs>
0: it's the press box with Grainy and Bischoff on ESPN, Las Vegas.
1: Was that still too soon?
3: Yes, yes, it is. Uh, we do not have Darren Millard. Oh. Okay. Oh. So apparently, it was too soon. Yeah. I mean, I could keep hell? calling him. How I many times have you called him? Uh, three <laughs> times. No, I, I think we just keep calling him. He'll eventually <laughs> pick up.
2: He I mean, he just take, had uh, he just
3: had kind of a long night and a traumatic experience. So, I mean, maybe we call him. you think the goalie him... situation was that traumatic for Darren Millard? <sighs> he had visible stitches on the television last night. i Boy, that guy Shit. bounced back. I
1: I texted him the other day. I said, you know what you're showing right now, a lot of momentum. Oh boy, <laughs> you're showing him a lot. You're showing a lot of momentum right now. I mean, come on, kid. The bounce back Listen, that quickly from that.
2: Jeez. Maybe maybe we don't want Darren Millard to answer the phone because well, he'll just tell us how the momentum changed yeah. when they changed goalies last night. Oh, that's Jeez.
1: right. That's a perfect setup for Darren. Which Millard. that
2: was that was basically. Pete DeBoer's answer, too. He was like, ah, rattled and wanted to reset the game. And he basically said he wanted to change momentum in a 1 1 game.
1: (laughs) That happened. I
2: still cannot believe that. How they decided to start Robin Leonard, and then after one period in which he wasn't necessarily bad. Pull him and go to Logan Thompson. What the...
1: Manning just Manning just had a, a tweet. If you didn't see it, he goes, you know, I had a dream last night that Pete DeBoer started Robin Leonard
2: <laughs>
1: and pulled him after a one-one game in the first period. He goes, dreams are weird.
3: I I I just I'm, I genuinely like. Is there is there something to the idea that maybe they're like, oh God, Logan's in. We got to go score now. Well,
1: you know. That's a good point, because we uh, we talked about this after the uh, game last night, and I think it's also a good point to mention. Do you believe that either there's a split or a majority in that room who wants one of the two goalies? Because guys just want to win. They just want to win. I mean, yeah. I, they, they just want the guy in there who they say, hey, this guy's going to win. And if you're if you've been around that team for the last month, one guy's been the winner.
2: So it's I...
1: interesting that in that room,
2: who do they really want? I am going to overreact to minimal body language. But if we go back <laughs> to, uh, if you remember the goal that Robin Leonard gave up two games ago where he did not move, uh, there was a shot on goal and he, he, he did not move, did not have any idea. Um, I believe it was Chandler Stevenson was coming back, trying to make a play on the puck and Chandler Stevenson thought that he did enough to prevent a good shot on goal, and then he looked back and was stunned to see Robin Leonard still standing upright and the puck in the back of the net. And if we're overreacting to this or trying to overanalyze this, I think there's a legitimate chance that some players on the team watched specifically that game and that goal and thought, we're trying to make the playoffs here, and this guy's just, he's been terrible, and we keep putting him out there. I think that's possible. I don't know that it's the majority of the locker room, but I, I'd absolutely believe it if you told me there are some players that are just like we can't keep putting this guy out there.
1: Oh, I believe that. Like I said, he's he was before last night he was you had the numbers. Five games since returning, two two and one, eight ninety nine, say percentage. I mean the numbers weren't good at all and then you look it over and Logan Thompson had won seven of his last decisions. I know he lost in Edmonton, but they didn't help him at all there. They got shut out, so they didn't help the guy at all there. So if I'm on that team and every game's a playoff game for the last two, three, I just want to know who gives you the best chance to win. Yeah. And if I think it's Logan Thompson, then I want him to play. I mean, and again, it could be nothing personal against Robin Leonard, but you know they all have an opinion. They're never going to tell us their opinion, but they have an opinion. They're they're professional athletes who want to win and get to the playoffs. Someone in that room, if not a ton of people, have an opinion that this is the guy we want to net. Not that they're going to be heard on it uh, or make that decision, but I think you're right. I think there's a faction of that locker room who have very strong opinions. And by the way, they probably should have very strong opinions, Uh, You know, even if they keep them to themselves or they keep it in the room.
2: How do you think that conversation went in the first intermission? Like, did Pete DeBoer just sort of simply say Logan Thompson starting the second period? Or do you think there was an actual... Like conversation or pushback from Robin Leonard? Like, was was it simple, or was there some actual discourse in the locker room?
1: What if he sent the poor PR staff in there to tell him, <laughs> "Listen, uh, we're changing the lineup, and uh, we've got to have your number because uh, the other guy's going in now." So, can we get your number for the lineup because we've got to call upstairs here and say uh, the other guys, the other guys are uh, starting.
3: Robin Leonard got in the elevator, <laughs> <laughs> with fully dressed with his pads on. You think I'm hurt? You think I'm hurt,
1: Cerebelli? Look how I'm walking.
2: Oh, man.
1: Uh, If he would have gone upstairs and sat with all the injured players in his full gear. That
2: would have been great. There
1: would have been no one on the bench.
2: Do you believe Pete DeBoer yesterday when he said Robin Leonard's fully healthy and good to go?
1: No, I don't think he's fully healthy. I I don't. Again, I don't know if it's 80%. I don't know if it's 90%. I don't know how he could come back to the injury and say he'd be fully healthy. And that's true with a lot of guys this year. Is Mark Stone completely healthy? Is Max Pacioretty completely healthy? They can't sit there and say that with a straight face for as much long, for as much time. Is Jack Eichel, with what he went through, completely healthy? When I hear completely healthy, I think 100% there's absolutely nothing wrong with him. I don't know if there's many guys in the league right now who you can say they're 100 percent and nothing wrong with them. So to stand up there and say a guy who was on, you know, who just came back on April 3rd and has played five games is completely healthy, I, I don't believe that.
2: I think the reason he said that was to basically take away the idea that Leonard got pulled because he wasn't healthy. Yes. Because he we, was we, that he was hurt. Right. We've talked about this, that if he's not hundred percent, that they should probably be going to Logan Thompson regardless, because why are you forcing Robin Leonard to play at 80% or whatever, especially now when your odds of making the playoffs, it's still possible, but are very low, right? Like they probably shouldn't be forcing this if he's not 100%. So I, I think part of the reason that Pete DeBoer said Robin Leonard's healthy was to make sure nobody thought that Leonard got pulled because of his injury. Yeah, and, and and that's the that point. That goes back to the decision making and basically was he told to start log or start Robin Leonard and then he decided in game bleep you I'm going to Logan Thompson.
1: And that's the point. Let's say he's 80% and you start him, then to come back and say he's 100%, if he's 80%, why are you starting him anyway? Yeah. Uh, wh- 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 you're not you're not starting a guy at 80% over a guy who is stunk. I mean, if Logan Thompson has come up, and it's just he's just over his head, and Bersois hurt, and he has to be the backup, and you got to say, look, an 80% goalie and Robin Leonard is better than 100% Logan Thompson. Okay, but that's not the case. At least that hasn't been the case on the ice. Logan Thompson's been the better goalie. So if he's 80%, and you know he's 80 even 90%, if he's not 100%, then why would you start him anyway?
2: Is there anything Logan Thompson can do the rest of the regular season, assuming they miss the playoffs, the rest of the regular season with just a few games left? Is there anything he can do to give the front office confidence that he can be the number one goalie on a playoff team?
1: I mean, I don't even know if he's starting Sunday. I can't answer that. Who, who's who's starting Sunday? It's like he was, uh, Jesse Granger asked DeBoer Bro, that last night, and DeBoer said, well, you can ask me that over the next three or four days. We're going to enjoy the win tonight. So for the next three or four days, who's starting? Well, I'll let you know Sunday night. I mean, I don't know what Logan Thompson can do or
2: not do, because I don't know if he'll ever play again. I mean, you know, I mean... he. There is, okay, yeah, whatever. The, he has a 920 save percentage so far this year. His goal saved above average is 5.8 in 15 games. Like, this is, he has been not just, like, good, not just above average. He has been excellent as a goalie in the 15 games that he has played this year. So, it's it's still a small sample size, right? It's 15 games. We're be talking about, like, a roughly 20-game sample size that we're going to get at the end of this regular season. If they miss the playoffs, that's all you have to go on for next year. And I'm fascinated to know if he can do enough to basically prove, yep, you can trust me as the number one goalie. Well, Is I mean, that I guess if they get in the playoffs
1: season? and he plays really well in the playoffs, then...
2: Well, right. If they get in the playoffs, I think he absolutely can. But if right. they miss it, I don't know that there's enough he can do, especially like the point you just made, he might not even start on Sunday. They might not even give him the chance.
1: Shane, have you written another article with another headline saying <laughs> Leonard's played his last game? Well, we'll show you again.
2: Uh, so, I it's it's a fascinating situation, and I'm like for. Let me ask you this part of it too. Take out this season. Let's let's say they are done. They're not making the playoffs. If you were deciding the starting goaltender for the rest of this season to help next year's team. Who would you start?
1: Well, i would probably start Logan Thompson just to see what he has. I'd want I'd want as much evidence about him as possible because I think I know what I have in Robin Leonard. So I'd probably and start see, Logan Thompson to say just to see just to see him more. I mean, j- just to see him more. You you know what you have in Leonard,
2: right? Do you? I think that's well, that's part of the that's part of the question here because Robin Leonard has had a lot of good seasons as a goalie. He has not been good this year. His save percentage is 907. Let's see. That's the worst it's been since 2014-15 when he played in a total of 25 games. Like, this is quite possibly the worst season Robin Leonard has ever had. Now, can you blame injuries? Probably. Pete DeBoer, even even though Pete DeBoer says he's healthy, you can probably blame some injuries there. But I do wonder, is there a level of, all right, we thought we knew what we had in Robin Leonard, but he hasn't been good enough that maybe you look around and say, we don't know what we have in Robin Leonard. And maybe that's why they want him to play because see these last four or five games, how good is he? Can he get back to who we thought he was? And if so, then he's the goalie for the future.
1: Yeah. I still think though, and they're close. I mean, uh, Dallas plays in Calgary tonight on a back to back. I still believe they think, and they probably should at this point, especially for the second wild card that they're close enough that, that that goes out the window and they just need to yeah. play who, you know, gives them the best chance. But again, we were all wrong about that last <laughs> night. You know, and on who he would start. So
2: <laughs>
1: Oh, that's great. Tremendous. <laughs> Sunday
3: tremendous. night. Oh, there yeah. he is again. All right, coming
2: up next, we'll jump into some UNLV basketball because they might have a Royce Ham replacement ready to go.
3: Was I surprised by the coaching change with when they hired uh
2: Mike Ryan and then- well, I mean, I, I, I
1: would say I, I have no comment towards any of that just, just because I, you know, I don't come up with those decisions. I don't make those decisions. So
0: we are back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff.
2: Kevin Krueger has landed four players out of the transfer portal. All of them have been guards or wings. He has yet to land a front court player going into next season. If you look at the roster right now, they've got three options in the front court. One of them is Reese Brown, who basically did not play last season. So in reality, they have victory e. Walker and David Milwaukee. Uh, they're losing Royce Ham, the number one rebounder, probably their second best player overall last season. This week they are hosting Morris Udez, who is a big from Wichita State. Uh, he averaged ten point six rebounds last season. He's only six foot eight, though not a, a over, uh, not a massive center in terms of height. There, um, he is by Evan Maya ranked as the one hundred and eighty fourth best player in the transfer portal. Uh, so UNLV might simply be looking for a Royce Ham replacement and might get one in the next couple of days if. He likes what he sees in Las Vegas.
1: Are you fine with most of these guys having one year? Because it just seems like this is going to be the... (laughs) Ah, seriously, this is going to be kind of the M.O., which is fine. I mean, if they win or they go into a tournament, good for them. I mean, it worked out. But a lot of these guys, or most of them except one, just have one season, which means they'll be back in the portal next year. And again, portal's where you can find players nowadays. It's a whole new world. I get that. But are you fine with this many having one year or do we just have to wait to see if they're any good? And if they're good, then it doesn't matter.
2: It is. It basically, if if you're talking like just roster construction, it puts you in a scenario where you are having to add players, significant players, every single off season, because if you're adding guys with one year left, that means what they've got one year and then you've got to replace them on the roster the following season. So, I, it's not the ideal way to do it. I think the, the if you were trying to plot out a perfect way to do it, you would be having a guy that's going to be around for two or three years as your best player, and then you'd be filling in the gaps uh, with guys in the transfer portal. You wouldn't be out there trying to find your best players every single offseason in the transfer portal. But college basketball has become a one-year sport. I mean, this is... You put together a team for one season, and then you try again the next year. So I think this is more reality and more realistic of what's going to happen. And you're going to have to, you know, you hope you get lucky and land one a player that's going to be around for a couple of years that's really good. But it is certainly going to make every single offseason a big test. And you can have wild swings depending on how well Kevin Kruger or other coaches do yeah. in individual off seasons.
1: Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's interesting that so many guys have one year, and then which means they're going right back in the portal next year. And if for whatever reason they get, you know, Morris Udezi, and he replaces Royce Ham, and they're good enough to get the NCAA tournament, no one will have a problem with it. Yeah. But they finish fourth or fifth, and they don't get back to the NCAA tournament. Maybe people start saying, "Hey, look, you're replacing four or five guys each year, and so far it hasn't worked."
2: Yeah. You would ideally. You would like to have either transfers like eric musselman got at nevada when he got the martin twins and jordan caroline who were there for what they were all there for three years right where you get a transfer they end up being really good and they stick and they're there for a couple of years or recruits like colorado state has done where they have isaiah stevens they have david roddy where they have guys that they recruited that ended up being really good and they have for multiple years that's the ideal situation but you can also win. You can also do. I mean, the best sure. Mountain West team, maybe ever, is San Diego State, who went and got Malachi Flynn for one season. Yeah. Right? He came in for one season, and that was a top five team in the country. That was a team that was going to get a one or a two seed in the NCAA tournament if COVID hadn't canceled it. So you absolutely can win that way, even though it's not the ideal way to do it, just because it puts more pressure every offseason. Because, like, imagine, for example, if Kevin Kruger hits a home run with all these transfers, right, Elijah Harkless, Elijah Parquette, Luis Rodriguez, let's say they get Morris Udez from Wichita State. Let's say they get these guys in, and they are just awesome, right? And this team is phenomenal. Next year, they're pretty much all gone next year, and you've got to do it again. Right, And right. you've got to go prove it again. And so you could be awesome this year, and then you could strike out the next offseason. Yeah, you just you no could have it. Right, you could have a horrible time in the transfer portal or just not land the right guys and then be bad the next year. And it could be the opposite, right? They could they could whiff this transfer. All these guys could be terrible, right? They could just have a terrible roster next year that doesn't work. Then they get to reset it. So there is, it certainly makes it a year-to-year sport that makes it to where there's very little continuity um, and makes it... It's hard to establish yourself as a legitimate like hey this is going to be top of the conference team every year if you're doing that every offseason because you've got to yeah, be he so you might good strike every gold
1: offseason. one or two times
2: right and it, the odds are you will the odds are you are going to find some great players in the transfer portal if you're taking on five or six every single year but it's also unlikely you it's it's I'll put it this way it's unlikely that you build an NCAA tournament team every single offseason out of the transfer portal which is what unlv is kind of setting up right now that they need to do because if they go to the NCAA tournament this year who's coming back the following season a lot of these guys are going to be gone because they only have one year of eligibility well especially
1: at their level because this isn't kansas who can just go get the top five portal guys right
2: right right they've got to find the guys they think they can develop or just give more playing time and be good